there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Jennifer Garibay. What does it take, in your opinion, Jennifer, to be a top-notch recruiter and or staffing channel specialist? What qualities do you think are most important? So I would say that you definitely have to care. You have to have empathy. You have to really advocate for that candidate experience. We oftentimes have candidates that we can't use for the particular role that we are looking at them for. And we really will try our best to find another home for them if possible. Perhaps they have operations experience and they're right, not right for my role, but I know of someone else who could potentially, you know, want to move forward with them. So we really try to do that where at all possible. But at the same time, these are rather large teams and and lots of jobs available. So there's many times where I may not know of something that could be a good fit simply because there's so, so many jobs. So we try our best to to take care of that and, and the candidates in that way. But sometimes things do fall through the crack in that sense. So I would say additionally, you really want to have the logistics side, operations side, and really know how to handle projects, deal with project management, and see things through a process because there's going to be many balls to juggle at any sort of time. You're going to have... So be supporting maybe 40 roles and have many meetings in a day on top of personal things within work. And, and by personal, I mean, you have the ability to work on projects and, and ways to improve your team and things like that. So all within a given week, it, it can be overwhelming in that sense. So you really need to know what to focus on when so that you can just do your job well and efficiently. Terrific. So what are all of your job responsibilities? And take us into a typical day on the job. I know now you're working remotely, but before COVID hit, you had about, I think, six months or so where you were actually working in the Google offices in Austin. So I would say typical day, and I'll include some of the mundane stuff just because it is it is kind of interesting. Even though it's mundane at Google, it's a little bit more interesting. But you know, we were very privileged and blessed, even with the often traffic, to have a shuttle. So I would start my day off, you know, driving to the bus stop, which is only about two minutes away from my house. I was just very fortunate to live close to one of the Google bus stops. Not everyone is that fortunate. Some people have to drive maybe 20 minutes to get to it. But I only live two minutes away. So lovely drive there, you park your car, and then you get on the shuttle, it has Wi Fi, and you can start your workday right there. So that's something that's so great is that they don't deny you the ability to get take advantage of that traffic time. So you're not wasting that 45 minutes in traffic, you're clocking hours while you are in those 45 minutes in traffic. So absolutely fantastic. In that sense, they, they keep things running, keep things efficient. And then you get into the office, you can go to the cafeteria, breakfast is waiting for you. 
whatever breakfast you want, bagels, hot breakfast, you know, cereals. So do miss being a little pampered in that sense. And it allows you just to stay focused, get right to work. Usually a morning full of meetings of collaborating on projects, working with your manager, maybe some mentorship going on there, usually weekly meetings with your manager to assess your goals. And then just working on candidates, usually most of the afternoon, screening resumes and working with them potentially on a more one-on-one basis. And heading home on the shuttle, getting a little bit more work in if you'd like to for the day. But I'd say overall, it's a balance of about 50% of that resume time and that that real candidate review balanced with about 50% of relationship building, side projects and opportunities for growth. Awesome. So when you say resume review... What does that actually look like? I mentioned, I think it was in this episode, that you have reviewed over 40,000 resumes. That is a heck of a lot. And I know that that includes your time prior to coming to a deco. But what does it look like? Are you sitting there with the paper printout in your hands? Are you looking at them on the computer screen? What's that process like? So that process is viewing PDFs on the computer. And so that is one reason why I always push for people to usually submit in PDF format because that is the way that that we look at them. Everything's converted into the PDF in the end. But if you had it in a Word file originally, sometimes it can get compressed or get wonky. But yeah, it's, it's mostly, you know, sort of e-reading, I would say, as, as we read these resumes uh, online. And what are you looking for? Within my role at Google, we're looking at the minimum qualifications for the role, really looking to assess, do you have what we're looking for or what the hiring manager is looking for, rather, as they described it to the recruiter and the recruiting team and really getting into those nuances, but staying true to the minimum qualification. It's a hard line to walk because it's, it's minimum qualifications, but it's also knowing what the hiring manager wants. And sometimes those two ideas don't meet. And then sometimes you need to go back to the drawing board to reassess what those minimum qualifications are to to really get what the hiring manager wants in a candidate. So I can say, just speaking from my experience in three other industries, that often you had a situation where the job description was written by committee. And the wording in the job description was lingo that was insider lingo to that industry and sometimes to that company. How does it work at Google? I would say that they're very good about not doing things like that. We have software and things that specifically looks for that. And that is something that the team who posts jobs, in fact, flags if there's any sort of issue. And that's a great that's a great point that you bring up and something that used to happen a lot. So they actually have a team that sort of safeguards that. And they're in charge of all of the posting all of the posting up and down of the jobs. So being those sorts of gatekeepers, they don't let anything go live if it has that sort of jargon as they're always scanning and checking for that. And I also know, again, in these other companies, of course, CNN, where I worked for 14 years, is a very large company. I think it's different for on-air talent or maybe some of the technical folks. But oftentimes, you would have the minimum experience necessary And that was very squishy. I think that that also becomes a hiccup for some college students who are looking for those entry-level jobs and get very thrown off by the, especially like 
minimum one to three years experience. And they're thinking like, but I've been in college and I've worked. Maybe they worked part-time jobs. Maybe they bartended. Maybe they did some work for within the real estate sector, whatever it is. But they don't see how skills are transferable. Right. And transferable skills are all around you. I would not underestimate your experiences and what you can say you've done. Oftentimes when I talk to my clients, they don't fully understand what project management is. And so I like to go over what project management is. Because sure, there's definitely there's like technical project managers and, and they make it sound all scary and this big fancy title. But project management is taking something from that initial thought kernel of I want to do something like I want to run a lemonade stand. You know, if you know how to plan how many lemons, how many cups, how many sugar, you're going to build the stand. Where am I going to set it up? When am I going to set it up? What are my business goals? How am I going to do this? How are we going to advertise? How are we going to execute? And then actually executing it. And then how much money did you make? It, it's it's the whole process. If you take it from that thought kernel all the way to the end of I ran a lemonade stand and made X amount of dollars or you know, and achieved X results, that's project management at its finest. And there's there's so many different examples of how people have used that over the years in various senses. So learn how to take what you already have and dress it up. And that's a great place where a career coach or a mentor can come in and really help you to to make the best of those transferable skills that you already have. I love that language to dress it up. Another way you could put it is to translate it. And you're not being dishonest. You really aren't. You're being actually much more forthcoming. You're just aligning your experience and putting it into a language that resonates with the employer. That's 100%. So prior to this job, Jennifer, you worked for six years at high-profile promotions, and your last two years there were spent as the operations and project manager. So there, we've just been talking about project management. What does high-profile promotions do, and what did you do as the operations and project manager? So high-profile promotions is a brand representative company. So they, they work with brand ambassadors, brand representatives to give brands an edge and represent them in social settings, corporate settings, and at events. So I ran a team of 30 to 40. And I say 30 to 40 because my market wasn't as big. But some of the other markets may have 200 plus employees being a smaller region though in El Paso. I ran a revolving staff of 30 to 40 individual contractors. And we did major promotions for Crown Royals, Jack Daniels, Grey Goose, other major liquor companies of the sort representing, pushing their brand and helping to promote their products within liquor stores, grocery stores, and things like that. So I worked directly with getting those set up, hiring the staff, training the staff, placing them, making sure they're doing everything they need to be, polishing their work, making sure the clients have all the information they need about their products, their sales, and just sort of an all-inclusive sort of role. So in fact, I made up the name for that. And I have no problem telling people that for my resume is that there was no title. They didn't really give me a title. I was the manager of my region. And, and I, that was all I knew. So I was like, okay, project and operations manager, because that's what I do. I run all the projects and all the operations and all the hiring. If it didn't sound too wordy, I probably would have put hiring manager too, but that would have been too many titles. So operations and project manager it is, but just a fine example of how you can change your title to whatever, whatever suits you best, as long as you stay true to what you did. So even though this is an audio podcast that you're listening to, I can see Jennifer. I'm giving her a little heart, (laughs) a heart sign with my hands because 
what she just explained there is exactly what we were just talking about. So was she in the tech space? Was she a quote unquote recruiter or staffing channel specialist? Well, if you're going to like split hairs, no. But were the job functions that she was doing similar to what she does as a staffing channel specialist? Hell yeah. Yes, most definitely. So this, folks, is what we are talking about, about the need to translate your honest-to-goodness real-life experiences into a language that resonates with the jobs that you want to apply for. This is what you need to do. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.